start, I just want you to know of the very tenuous connection Sinai Temple has with Bialik, because he died, as you heard, in 1934, and he was the great, uh, before Amichai, but before the state, he was the great modern Hebrew poet. And if you recall, those of you who are here, Amos Oz was our scholar in residence uh, several years, more than a decade ago, the uh, great Israeli writer who passed away not so long ago, a couple of years ago. And in his autobiography, Oz tells the following story. Bialik died in 1934. The state was declared in 1948. So when Oz was a kid, he, they had just printed the first five pound, I think it was called a pound at the time, but let's say, I don't know whether it was a shekel or a pound, but the first five pound note that had Bialik's face on it. And Oz got hold of it and brought it home, and he was so proud because he obviously was a budding Hebrew writer, and there was Bialik on the note, and he showed it to his uncle, and his uncle snatched it from his hand. And he said to his uncle, that's mine. And his uncle said, Bialik owed me five pounds. Isn't that a tremendous, like, confusion and conflation of history and... Anyway, so this morning, in some ways, it makes sense to give a, a summary of Moses' life, but that is uh, a somewhat heavy sermon uh, to give, and I'm going to save that. Um, maybe I'll do it next week because certainly Moses deserves to have his life summarized. But, but we just finished Yom Kippur, and so something a little bit lighter actually about starting with, with Moshe and David, which is we tend to think of the great events when we talk about people. When you talk, think about Moses, you think about the Exodus, or you think about Moses' death before coming into the land. When you think about King David, it's the founding of Jerusalem, or it's Goliath, or it's Bathsheba, something enormous. But one of the beautiful things about both characters, and I say David because the Haftorah was from David, as the Torah portion is Moses' uh, final days, is that the Torah records little things about them too, beautiful little moments. Like when Joshua comes in and says to Moshe, that Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp and Moshe should stop them. And Moses just says, I wish all of God's people were prophets, which shows his lack of envy and jealousy. Or when David is a young man and he goes to Saul's court and he plays music so that Saul, who's depressed, can feel better, which is a beautiful characteristic. And I bring this up because, as you all know, as everyone knows, the human mind has a strong negative bias. And that makes sense. Because if you miss a flower, that's fine. If you miss a tiger, you're dead. <laughs> and therefore, your brain is geared to pay more attention to the tiger than the flower. And anyone who doubts this need only look at the news. I am of an age such that when I was a child, some of you may find this hard to believe, but when I was a child, you got two newspapers, the morning paper and the evening paper. 
And so I still get newspapers, and I still like newspapers, and I still like them as the best source of news because when you get a newspaper and you're flipping through it, and you don't know what's going to come next, and it's not self-selecting, all of a sudden you see a story about some town that you never heard of where something that you know nothing about is happening, and it enlarges your world. But I do notice when I flip through a newspaper or if I do it online, that the proportion of bad things to good things is like 10 to 1. And so it is unsurprising when we have a negative view of the world because either we read a newspaper or we've watched Game of Thrones, which is virtually the same thing, in which we learn that everything is bad and people are cynical and they're rotten and the everyday goodnesses which are manifold in the world never make the newspaper. And so you can go through the day in which people are very kind to you and you go into a store and someone's nice and someone stops or you can cross the street and you come home and someone's left you a nice message and then you open the newspaper and you see all these terrible things happening and you say, this, the world is terrible. People are awful. And that's why this morning, what I want to do is read you a letter I received just about two weeks, right before the high holidays, from one of our congregants who wrote, Dear Rabbi Wolpe, I'm walking from the parking lot at the pavilion to the Mark Taper in the late afternoon for a two-hour medical procedure when suddenly I trip and am splashed all over the sidewalk, unable to move. I later discover my body is badly bruised. I lay still, unable to stand. Suddenly, three Latino men materialize from nowhere and are standing over me. They literally lift me up. I'm shaken. I'll walk you to the taper to make sure you get up the stairs, one man says, a portly short man with a kind, sad face. Thank you so much, I respond. He proceeds to help me across the street and up the stairs. My mom is in the hospital now, he says. This place feels very familiar, he continues. I hope she gets better, I respond. This was so kind, so kind of you. I add, and we part. Two hours later, I leave the hospital and walk back to my car. At the place where I tripped is standing the same man who walked me to the hospital. Hi, I exclaim. Oh, I'm so relieved to see you, he responds. I've been waiting two hours for you, and I was afraid I missed you. You've been waiting two hours for me? I can't believe that. See, you left your hat on the ground, and I thought you would miss it and not know what happened to it. What does this word mean, Hashem, that was written all over her hat? Because I got a, a, a screenshot of the hat. Oh, that's the name for God, I say slowly and deliberately. Thank you, God. I like wearing it on my head. I look him in the eyes. You know, your mother raised a very good son. He started to cry. What most moves me about this story is that I know it. That this could have happened and probably does happen all the time. Never gets reported, never gets told. Unless somebody takes the time to want to spread, as this person did, the act of goodness, we don't hear about it. But our world is filled with acts of goodness from strangers waiting two hours in a parking lot so that you can return someone's hat, not knowing maybe you'll be waiting three hours. 
You don't know when they're coming out. I mean, there is a lot of goodness in human beings and a lot of kindness in human beings. And I just wanted to say that as this new year starts, don't allow your view of people to be dictated by the negative bias that is perfectly natural. It's not the news's fault. If they said, man waits two hours to return hat, and next to that is, Russia may nuke Ukraine, what are you gonna read? Right? It's not the news, we always blame them, it's not their fault. This is a glitch in the human brain that we have to fight against. But I want you to know how much goodness there is in this congregation, in this community, and in this world. And knowing that, maybe, God willing, in the year to come, we'll contribute to it. Shabbat Shalom.